0: Everyone, Chase here. Before we get to the episode, I wanted to tell you about a campaign for an awesome creator-owned book that's going on right now over at Zoop. Wilder John is the story of a savage journey into the heart of a man driven mad by love, by hate, by power, as he is hounded by hordes of relentless enemies who will stop at nothing to proclaim what John has stolen. This is a real passion project for writer-artist Nick Patera, as he's drawing inspiration from creators he loves, such as Frank Quietly, Jeff Darrow, and Mobius, among others. The book is also a deeply personal tale for Nick. He conceived a lot of the character and stories while his family was dealing with health challenges for his youngest daughter. Just like real life, the story is much more complicated than it might seem at first glance, and the axe-wielding barbarian at the heart of the story may be much, much more relatable than your average bloodthirsty warrior. The project's already fully funded, so go join the campaign, and you're guaranteed to get this full-color oversized hardcover edition. Just visit zoop.gg to check it out.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the comic source. I'm your host, Chase, and this is Jay and apologies. I know the sound quality is not up to our usual standards, but I am recording from the road. Once again, didn't want to miss another new comics Wednesday. Um, I'm still going to put one out for last Wednesday with my thoughts on the books. Um, It's going to be obviously a week late, but just for posterity's sake, I want to have it out there, you know, for historical purposes. So obviously I didn't want to miss another one uh, and let you guys down two weeks in a row. Hope everybody got a chance to check out the DC spotlight. Uh, Last week's DC spotlight, Rocky had to run solo, but was able to connect with him this week. Thank God this is my last week on the road. Uh, I'm so tired of all this travel, tired in general, and just tired of all this travel Um, and ready to be back with my normal setup. So that being said, it's a huge week, huge, uh, we're going to cover 18 books we're going to go super fast the other thing that's crazy i'm going to get back in phoenix just in time to turn around and go to phoenix comic comic fest i think is what they call it now but it's a bit of a down year for the show um just in terms of there's not really many guests coming there's there's a lot of shows coming back big shows um and three of them happen to fall on next weekend megacon just finished and there's shows overseas so yeah, there's not some, there's not really some any big comic names that I'm excited to see, but I'm I'm excited to do some shopping. Actually, it's probably the thing I look forward to the most at the show, and I'll, you know I'll check it out and we'll see how it goes. So uh, again, if you're looking for the DC books with spoilers, we talk about them on the DC Spotlight. So go listen to that episode from yesterday. That being said, we're going to dive in because, as I said, there are a, a ton of books. And Jay's gonna kick it off with step by bloody step. This is uh from a story by Sai Spurrier. Matthias Bergara does the artwork, Matthias Lopez on the colors. And there's not really a, really a letterer because there's not really any words. <laughs> so uh what do you think,
2: Jay? Is this book still scratching
1: your itch with the fourth issue here?
2: Oh yeah, it's uh the art the, the art is beautiful. I mean, um I'm just it's very detailed and it tells a story so even without the words you kind of know what's going on um i think this is the last in the well, one no, i think there's one more right there's one more issue coming out i think i can't remember but it's great because uh from the last issue um there's no words again but we know that uh the the main character the little girl was betrayed by the king or the ruler and her guardian uh in the armor was destroyed so that's how this issue starts off with, you know, a, a heartbroken girl, you know, without her, uh, her companion, but um, the story has to continue for her. So she's kind of banned from the village uh, for what I can take. And she takes out a piece of the armor. She goes on to continue the mission. She has to do when she gets to where she has to get to that's where I think people can read it and kind of get uh, maybe a different view of what's going on with the story, but it's just really, really cool. I don't want to give it away, but just the storytelling and the art of when she gets her, what the purpose of her getting there was and what the, the cycle means. It's just really, really great. And I think the next issue is supposed to be the awakening. Uh, the girl awakes. So now that she knows the truth about her past and who she is, we get to more in the next issue. But it's really great. And this is my book of the week because uh, I was looking forward to this issue. And now I'm really looking forward to the next issue.
1: Yeah, and again, I, I just, I want to read it. I present them with good things. But again, just, I've said it many times, a book without any dialogue, uh, you kind of have to, it takes more time to read. <laughs> it's,
2: oh yeah, that would be the that. case. I read it yeah. twice. When it's done, I'm going to read them all over again. There's no doubt.
1: Yeah, because you have to pay so much attention to the art. Um, so I'll definitely get caught up on it at some point. Uh, anyway, my first book I'm going to talk about is Department of Truth. We're up to issue 18 with this book, believe it or not. Written by James Tynan IV. Martin Simmons handles the art. Letters are by Aditya Bidikar. Uh, this is an interesting issue in, in a lot of ways. So we don't get any big conspiracies. We get a little bit of end of the Cold War, kind of history lesson. It's not anything that we're told that it um, didn't actually happen. You know, uh, it's this idea that, okay, well, the idea of a Soviet socialist, Russia or Soviet Union has died. The Iron Curtain has come down. And there's going to be a new tale of what the new Russia will be, which I guess is oligarchs and a bunch of corruption. If the real world in history has, has anything to say about it. Um, so we get a little bit of that and a little bit of Grigori, who's the head of basically the Russian version or the Soviet version of the Department of Truth and Lee Harvey Oswald sort of talking. There's some animosity there, uh, but the majority of the issue, it takes place in, in present time. With Cole Turner, who's the main character in the story and what the Department of Truth and and joining the department is doing to him. So it's a little bit of a step back, um, at least for this first issue of this arc, which is called War Crimes, um, to kind of give some context about the, the toll that this new job, this Department of Truth role that Cole Turner has taken on. Uh, is costing him in his personal life relationship with his boyfriend and whatnot so it's pretty interesting because it puts a uh, kind of a, a human face on what the price of these conspiracies are and uh, what the price of keeping a lid on these conspiracies can be so um this continues to be a really really good book i think it got an eisner nomination um for best new series or our best continuing series i guess it would be if I'm not mistaken. We we probably should do an Eisner nomination show at some point, but uh, that's not going to happen tonight. So, anyway, let's move on. Another one of uh, Jay's favorite books. Talk about it every time it comes out, and I talk about how it's weird and it's out there, and I haven't read it. Uh, but it's Ice Cream Man. We're up to issue thirty. Another book where I'm like, man, thirty. That over two year, two and a half years of Ice Cream Man feels like the first issue just came out, but anyway the cover is fantastic definitely makes me want to read it there's there are rats in a maze so what's that all about
2: jay oh yeah it's pretty much tells you the story right there it's going to be about a, a facility that does some testing with some patients and the drug is funny because it's called neuromaze so it kind of goes with the cover and i like how the writer does uh the story but he always uh, puts the cover into the story so it kind of it all connects so the doctor is the main character in the story is uh, doing experiment with, with uh, two patients, but there's a lot of uh, other things going on in behind the scenes, so to speak. Um, there's also a twist in the end of the story, which is I don't want to get away because it's so good. Um, it's not as bloody as some of the other ones, but it is creepy and it's dark. And you're like, wow, that really just happened to that, to that character. It's good. And like I said, I always like Ice Cream Man because every issue is so different
1: yeah, it's W. Maxwell Prince is the writer and Martin Morazzo on the art with colors by Chris O'Halloran and letters by Good old Neon. So I mean, you know, human experiments, rats in a maze, uh, and then you add in the zaniness of uh or craziness or trippiness, whatever you want to however you want to put it, of ice cream man. yeah, I think. Like this might be the one that gets me off the sidelines and finally have to make time to to read read this
2: book. Yeah, but thirty um, issues, so it's, it's it's doing something right. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And again, I hear a lot of people talking about how great this uh, this book is, the series is. So I definitely should check it out.
0: Uh, okay, up next
1: for me is Aerosmith. We're up to number five. Um, written by Kurt Busick, art by Carlos Pacheco. Inks by Jose, Rafael Fonterez, colors by Jose Villarubia. Comic crafts, Tyler Smith and Jimmy Betancourt handle the letters and the design. Um, man, I really love this, this latest volume of Aerosmith, Behind Enemy Lines, where Fletcher Aerosmith has allowed himself to be captured so he can help rescue this member of uh, the British royalty, although they don't call it Britain, it's called Albion. Um, because this world of Aerosmith that Busiek and Pacheco have created here is sort of a mix of our real world, but with a lot of fantasy. Um, so instead of the United States of America, it's the United States of, of Columbia, as in Columbus could be discovered, America discovered. I'll put that in quotes. Um, but it's just a really great marriage of a war comic with this world that's sort of familiar. And then you add magic in. So it's almost like three different things. Does it work as a war comic? hundred percent. Does it work as a fantasy comic? hundred percent. Does it work as uh, kind of an alternate history story? Yes, it works that way as well. So if you like one of those, you'll probably be interested enough. One of those genres, you'll probably be interested enough to, to read it. If you like two of those genres, you'll probably really dig it. And if you like all three, then you better be reading the book. There's no reason not to. Um, the Pacheco art is is wonderful just like the balance of those three things Pacheco's art really balances uh, almost a photorealistic style with these um really awesome depictions of magic and then uh the the color work it's a little muted, which I think typically works pretty well for a book where it's you know, it's supposedly taking place in quote unquote, the real world, as opposed to a, a book where it's really primary colors. always talk about that working really well in a traditional superhero book. So uh, really digging Aerosmith. And I bought the first volume. I'd never read the first volume of Aerosmith. I bought it in trade, but uh, I haven't even unboxed it yet. Actually, I have so many things that I haven't unboxed. I've been thinking about doing an unboxing video on my YouTube channel. I, I'm not exaggerating. I have probably like 50 packages um, to open <laughs> that I just haven't had time to. Uh, anyway, uh, let's move on. This is another book that uh, we covered the first one. And I really wanted to talk about the second one um, because there's t- a ton of stories in here. Uh, it's Images 30th Anniversary Anthology. And again, a lot of these are part twos of uh, of series or stories that we got already got part one of in the first uh, anthology issue but again i just i ran out of time so let's see we've got three, six, nine, eleven part twos uh of stories but uh, i know you got a chance to uh to read it jay any that stood out for you
2: well of course i'm going guess i'm gonna play favorites so i like the blizzard because i like the artist and i like the writer Jeff johns that's uh really good um i when i first read it i thought uh the blizzard there was no, I didn't understand the first story because I was talking about the blazers, but there was no snow, but now we're getting it. So, but it's really good. Uh, there's a little, uh, some of the panels are kind of a twist. It's short, but I like that because at least they wanting more. So it's like, ah, where's the next issue coming out? That one stood out. Uh, of course, Ice Cream Man was pretty fun because they have a little story in there. It was fun. Uh, Gospel for the New uh, Century was really good. I like that one a lot. Uh, Stitches was, uh, I think that's the one that was a little bit dark. And then the last one, the uh, Billy uh, Dogma. That's really good, because um, it's just black and white. Uh, that last one, but it's so well put together. And the story is, uh, I, I want to know more about the character of the story because she's a bad guy. You know, a bad guy. It's a female, but it's like, but she's giving a little bit of her story and it's like her backstory. You're like, oh, but she doesn't finish it. So I was like, oh, I got to wait for the next issue. But uh, surprisingly, it's been worth picking up because of the, some of the stories in there. So it's really great.
1: Yeah, I'm disappointed that I didn't read it in time to t- talk about any of the stories. Um, I literally I thought I had read it. And then right when we started, I realized as I was opening up all the books to give credits. I'm like, oh, man, I didn't read that one. No time now to read 10 stories. I mean, because that's the thing. It's a it's a big book.
2: Oh, yeah, um, definitely. So 16 yeah, pages. 16, yeah. 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 So it's pages. it's worth your money. if You're like an image fan and you like some of these uh, artists and writers and some of the characters. It's definitely worth picking up. Yeah, I, I'm I'm
1: definitely, I mean, there's no way I'm reading it tonight because I'll, I'm falling asleep <laughs> no, no, already. No, I see it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely reading it tomorrow for sure. Uh, okay, next book I'm going to talk about real briefly is Captain Carter. We're up to issue number three on this. Jamie McKelvey is the writer. Marika Cresta handles the art. Matt Miller on colors. Clayton Cowell on letters. Um, I'm not super familiar with Captain Carter. Um i guess most people know her from the mcu or i think she had her own marvel tv show at one point but uh and we're getting some awesome awesome jamie mckelvey colors uh covers rather i wish he was drawing the interiors but i understand why he's not because he's not the fastest artist and they want us to come out on time that being said bringing her into the modern day i think is working really well there's a cliche aspect to the story about the whole kind of fish out of water thing you know just like when they brought steve rogers in the mcu forward in time um but it's working really well and what i like is they don't they're not playing it like oh she's not picking up on things that are going on around her because she's a woman or, or anything like that like mckelvey's doing a really good job of making her come across as a very smart and capable um hero uh, you know fully fleshed out and realized person and if there's any sort of downfall or things that she's not catching it 100 percent has to do with the fact that you know she's missed the last 40 50 years of, of life basically of the world so uh, i like that he's not kind of dumbing it down or you know making her anything less than what she is and if we can't have Jamie McKelvey art, at least we're getting really great action-oriented art from Marika Krista. I think she's doing a fantastic job. So again, not super familiar with with Peggy Carter. So I can't say how authentic the voice is in terms of the scripting, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, and again, this is not really a character that I was that invested in. And so, you know, I was going to read the first issue and just kind of be like, done with it but each issue has gotten subsequently better so uh, I, I am enjoying it i do recommend it uh, okay up next for jay we have another marvel book second issue of the new volume of amazing spider man from writer zeb wells we have john romita jr on pencils scott Hanna does the inks Mar, uh, marcio Menez on colors and joe Caramagna on letters um yeah i was a little underwhelmed by this what do you think jay
2: uh, it's not bad. Like I said, we still don't know, uh, like from the first issue, where everybody's mad at him or what's going on with the backstory. They're kind of, even in this issue, there's little, uh, I guess like little balloons from like, I guess, Nick and say, Hey, what happened here or what's going on with this? And they have to tell you, kind of tell the reader, we you know, we haven't put that out yet, you know, but, uh, he does a favor for, uh, an old friend, but it was, you know, nothing crazy, but we also got tombstone who I guess is turning back into, the tombstone that we know and he has a giant master plan and it, it all unfolds kind of in this issue it was fun i mean it, I, it was uh, kind of a quick read to me to be honest but uh, i want to see the next issue i want to see what happens to peter next you know because he kind of fell for it <laughs> on this one yeah here's
1: the thing um i'm always going to collect amazing spider-man right like people say oh you should vote with your dollar don't buy books that are bad don't buy books that you don't like. You know, I kept buying Superman and action comics, even though I didn't like what Bendis was doing. Because I have my runs, I have my collection. I don't want to stop. You know, well, exactly. same thing with yeah, same thing with Amazing Spider-Man. All throughout the Nick Spencer run, you know, maybe ten issues into it, I really didn't enjoy it that much, and it just it got super repetitive, and it dragged <laughs> yeah. out that kindred storyline so long. But I kept buying it because. It's Spider Man. Yeah, you built my amazing Spider Man run. I don't want to end it. And then we got the the uh, Beyond story with Ben Riley in the costume. And even though I was not super happy with them hinting at the fact that they turned Ben into a villain at the end, spoilers. Um, <laughs> spoilers for a you know a book that's two months old. Um, but at least it had the feel like a more lighthearted feel um, that I sort of expect from a a Spider-Man book. Now, don't get me wrong. Back in the day, Stan Lee and uh, Steve Ditko and then Stanley and John Romita senior, you know, there was a lot of angst and Pete was, you know, constantly kind of mopey and struggling to pay the bills or struggling with Aunt May or his friendship or, you know, struggling to balance the, responsibility of being spider-man with all those other personal responsibilities and whatnot and yeah so the book was relatable but it never felt like depressing at times during the spencer run it felt depressing and again i'm a huge fan of zeb wells but two issues in to this run and i'm not saying it's as depressing as nick spencer's run felt but it's closer to feeling like Nick Spencer run than Spider-Man beyond run, which felt a lot more hopeful with, uh, with Ben Riley in, in the costume. So maybe it's because, you know, Pete has no friends. He's completely isolated, but we don't know why still. And I'm trying not to be impatient. We are only two issues in, but God, I hope they don't drag this out for like a year. Where we don't know what this horrible thing Pete has done, because it's casting this like shadow, this pall um, of negativity over the whole entire entirety of the story right now, because we don't know what it is. And you know, Mary Jane has moved on and apparently is a stepmom now, or or at least you know, kind of this mother figure to this guy. I don't think she's married, so stepmom's a wrong term, but. You know, she's a mother figure for this guy. She's dating Aunt May's mad at him. Fantastic Four is mad. Like, yeah, it's making, it's bumming me out, man. I don't want to be bummed out when I'm reading Amazing Spider-Man. So, yeah, um, I'm ready for it to be a little more upbeat. Like, don't get me wrong. Pete's got to go through his struggles. But, God, don't drag it out, please, Zeb Wells. Six months at, at most. and Give us some answers. Um, Anyway,
2: let me get off my soapbox. Uh, (laughs) You got to do the Clone Wars. You can make it through this, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's
2: true. (laughs) Uh, All right,
1: next book I'm going to talk about, Image Book, uh, Bloodstained Teeth Number 2, story and creator by uh, Christian Ward, art and co-creator Patrick Reynolds, colors by Heather Moore, letters by Hassan Atman Elhau. So uh, we we met this vampire last time, and uh, Mr. Sloan, And basically he was taking money to turn other people into vampires or what they call sips, you know, as they take a sip of their blood. Um, and that goes against the rules of like the ruling vampires and these, these quote unquote sips, uh, if you're not born a vampire, you don't have the power, the ability to turn other people. You can bite them and, you know, drink their blood, but they don't become vampires themselves. So they're kind of lesser, um and you're not when you're born a vampire you're not supposed to turn other people into vampires Um, but this guy sloan uh because he's not one of like the ruling elite vampires like the one percent um he in order to live you know he's immortal but you gotta live got to have money um he he basically charges other people to turn them into (laughs) into vampires and in the first issue the kind of ruling elite of the uh, vampires, they call them on the carpet and they say, hey, this isn't okay what you've been doing. And they basically tell them, you need to go out and hunt down all the sips that you've created and kill them. Um, or we're going to kill you. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's, uh, it's very much a metaphor in a lot of ways. And if you listen to the interview I did with Christian Ward about how the 1% really are, are feeding on our um existence in a lot of ways on our quote unquote life force um you know we're we're spending money on amazon we're buying this and that and the other thing and we're, we're enriching the rich are getting richer off of kind of our backs and this is this story is very much an analog for that uh, so it's really interesting if you want to dive down to that level on the surface level it's just this sort of neo horror story um, that's got a lot of political machinations as well, uh, at least two issues in, that works on a a really cool action level. And the art is amazing. So very visceral, sort of scritchy, sketchy line work from Patrick Reynolds, and then super over the top colors from Heather Moore. Like it's completely colored in this psychedelic way that gives the line work like really big impact, but it's colored with bright colors. Like this particular issue, some really bright pinks and blues and whatnot, greens. And you think that that would make for like a really happy, bright comic, but (laughs) it actually goes the other way. Um, It's so like bright and over the top that it has this weird sort of reverse effect of making it feel like really sort of uh, urban in a lot of ways. So yeah, the art is is fantastic, really great action. And uh, I think I heard quite a few people enjoyed the first issue. So I I hope everybody's coming back for the second issue. Uh, Okay. Up next for Jay, it's a standalone issue of Avengers. Let's see, what issue are we up to? Is it? 56. 56. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jane Foster story written by Jason Aaron. We've got art by Javier Garron. Colors are by David Curiel and letters by Corey Petit. What'd you think?
2: It was a fun issue. Um, we've got Jane, I guess uh, there's two Jane Fox but we already know there's a war going on. So there's a lot of uh, multiverses going on. So this is pretty much how this kind of ties in with that storyline with the um, the Mephistos from different universes. (laughs) So they work against uh, Jane Foster and uh, it's good because she's trying to figure out that, you know, this isn't right, the reality that she's living in, but she finds a way to get out of it. Um, It's cool because in this, you get to like, the cover doesn't give away anything. The cover, I might give any spoilers, the cover shows both of them together. So you're going to get Thor and you're going to get the other character. So it's cool. I liked it. It was fun. Like I said, it was a standalone issue, but what I liked about it was the last panel. Cause it kind of lets you know what Jane's kind of still thinking and what she's missing. So that's what I thought was like the best part of the, the story. I yeah, think it's the power. <laughs> was,
1: yeah. That was a really interesting aspect. That was a really interesting aspect of the story as well. So I, I'm not a big Thor guy, so I've never actually read that. Cause I, I think the Jason Aaron run of Thor was pretty popular. Even before he put Jane Foster in 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 the costume, you know, turned her into Thor, and I remember when it came out, um, and I regret that I didn't buy it
2: that first issue
1: <laughs> because I think it goes for a decent amount now. Um, but I, I remember that it was a mystery; you didn't know who it was, and then eventually it was revealed that it was Jane Foster and she had cancer and whatnot. Um, but the other thing I remember a lot of people talking about was it was the first time in a long time that comic book had had thought balloons because he 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 chose to do it that way to not you know use captions because he didn't want to give away who it was but he wanted some uh, insight into the character to come across to the reader so it's pretty interesting so and i never really thought i would be interested like i heard it was jane foster i'm like okay whatever you know again not not really that interested in in the thor corner of the, the marvel universe but reading this story and hearing these two Janes interact and talk about all the other Janes, <laughs> like this army of Janes or whatnot, was pretty interesting. Um, I really liked it. And then, yeah, like you said, the little hook at the end was fun as well. So cool to get a, a standalone spotlight story in Avengers about Jane Foster. Uh, okay, up next for me is Devil's Reign Omega. There's actually three stories in here. The main story is called Fall and Rise by Chip Zdarsky. Art is by Raphael Della Torre. Colors by Frederico Blee. Letters by Clayton Cowles. Um, And that's sort of the one that that ties up some loose ends. We see uh, the funeral for, uh, for quote unquote, Matt Murdock, which is really Mike Murdock, which is supposed to be (laughs) Matt's twin brother, who isn't even really a thing it's super complicated and i'm not going to get into it but yeah he got killed by the kingpin sort of um and they have a funeral for him sort of uh so and it ties up some stuff with uh the thunderbolts and luke cage having won the election to be mayor of new york city and all that um and then speaking of that we've got a mayor for hire story in the back of the book written by rodney barnes with art by guillermo santa and colors by DiJo Lima that deals more with that, with what, um, with what kind of mayor Luke Cage is going to be very much more hands-on, uh, it looks like, than, than the Kingpin was, but obviously hands-on in terms of going out there and fighting crime on the streets and being heroic and trying to be a force for good. And then we've got Cleaning House that's written by Jim Zub. Art is by Luciano Vecchio colors by Carlos Lopez and Javi Tartagilla with letters by Joe Sabina and uh, Sabino. And that is nothing but a prelude to the Thunderbolt series. that's coming up later on, which is perfectly fine. I love that. It's a prelude to that because I'm really looking forward to that Thunderbolts series from Jim Zub, and Jim came on and talked about it a couple months ago. So really looking forward to that. If you're not familiar with the Thunderbolts, it's, it's definitely a good, primer for that kind of explains how the thunderbolt started out as um baron zemo and the masters of evil trying to trick people into thinking that they were good and then some of those villains realized they liked being heroes and then hawkeye tried to um tried to lead them after zemo left and uh, so there's there's definitely history there uh, and it does tie in with very well, not only as a prelude to Thunderbolts, but also what's going on with Devil's Reign Omega. And that's why it's in here because Kingpin, obviously, when he outlawed vigilantism in New York City, he, he put together a team of Thunderbolts uh, of villains and gave them authority as Thunderbolts to go out and arrest heroes. So it's all sort of intermixed and intertwined. So um, it's a, it, the, the, none of the stories are really full length because it's only 34 pages. Um, and the first story is a little bit longer. So, uh, but you get, you get decent chunks uh, of each particular story. So, uh, all right. Up next for Jay, we've got Hulk number seven. This is Hulk versus Thor, Banner of War, Part Three of Five, written by Donnie Cates. Art is by Martin Cocolo colors by Matt Wilson, and letters by Corey Petit. What do you think?
2: It's fun. It's, like I said, you got to read the, the other ones, I guess, before you read this, because kind of, if you don't, you'd be kind of lost with what's going on because you got Iron Man involved, you got Thor involved. Um, this one's pretty fun because you got a lot of uh, destruction going on, but you got Hawk being, you know, the Hawk, but uh, also you got Banner in the background trying to, like, talk the Hawk down. But, of course, that's never going to work because he's in a rampaging mode right now. But uh, I guess this inter—I guess it kind of goes with uh, what happened to the previous issues with the Hawk. I guess uh, he shows some of his new abilities he has and he kind of goes, uh, kind of explodes, I guess you could say. But the ending, I think for a lot of fans that are Hawk uh, fans and, or even Thor fans, I guess the ending is like the best part. Because me, I'm, I like both characters. So I'm like, oh, it's kind of, yeah, I kind of never thought about that. But that'd be kind of true to see what happens with this. So it's getting a little fun. I guess you got to read the I don't know what the, the, the next part is. It's going to be the it's going to be Thor. So you got to get the next story issue to continue this uh, storyline.
1: Yeah, um, it is fun. It is not as over the top as I expected it to be, being that it's coming from Donny Cates. Um, but we have had some pretty big swings. So the and he does seem to set him up like on the last page so he's done a good job of of like cliffhangers to keep people coming back for more so obviously the last page in this issue was big the last page in the previous story part that was in the last the, the most recent issue of Thor where Tony Stark shows up in a Hulkbuster armor that's made out of a celestial I mean that that's pretty big so um the ideas that Donnie has are big and boisterous uh, just like you would expect from Donnie but the story itself is surprisingly it feels intimate as opposed to this big epic battle that I expected it to be um, so it's interesting the balance that's being struck there
2: Well, I like uh, that because we always get Thor and Hogg I like the first time they ever fought I mean it's like what the umpteen time they fought yeah so you gotta kind of change it up some yeah he's definitely bringing in some new ideas
1: uh, okay, up next for me is Newburn number seven from writer Chip Zdarsky, co-creator and artist Jacob Phillips. Um, last issue, we got a, a bunch of background into Emily, Newburn's New um, newfound partner. And we learned some things about her past, why she was running long cons and didn't become a police officer and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and it was all sort of told in, in flashback. Well, now in present time, we're seeing that those mistakes that she made and uh, parts of her past that she wants to forget and hide are coming back to haunt her. Um, It's going to be interesting to see if Newburn has loyalty for her, especially because he hasn't known her that long. He clearly respects her mind and her intelligence, her ability to help him do his job. But, you know, how far does that go in terms of? You know, is he willing to to sacrifice himself or risk himself or any of that for this woman that he he barely knows that that's what's really, really interesting to me. So uh, this continues to be a great crime noir series. Um, The Jacob Phillips art is is usually pretty solid. Um, It feels like this issue. It was maybe just rushed the tiniest bit because it it just didn't feel the art. Didn't feel quite as polished as it has in the past, um, but I'm, I'm being really nitpicky because the storytelling is great in the art and the backup story um, continues to be really, really good as well, uh, Zdarsky's always giving room uh, to up and coming comic creators to uh, tell their c- crime noir stories and, and it's very compelling, the backup story that's being told currently about this girl who is investigating the murder of her best friend they're they're both in high school and she's very frustrated she's very intelligent and she's very frustrated that the police don't seem to be doing anything in her eyes and uh, she ends up uncovering some clues on her own and eventually convinces uh, a detective to take a deeper look so that's where we are in that story and uh, again it's it feels very um very intimate so it works on that level Okay, up next for Jay is Punisher, up to issue three of this, written by Jason Aaron. We have art by Jesus Saez and Paul Azaceta. Colors are by Dave Stewart and letters by Corey Petit. This was a pretty interesting issue. What did you think?
2: It was good actually it was great because i guess you get uh, no spoiler because i think it's out there everywhere on the website anywhere you go online but we got a look at uh frank castle's first kill so i guess prospectors and my uh, my little flippers out there will probably try to gobble this up just in case it ever gets big but uh, punisher leads uh the hand uh against hydra and that's how it starts off and it's uh it's not uh like a black label or anything like that but it's pretty it's pretty bloody in in these uh these punisher series so far and i, I like that because that's punisher being the punisher he knows who he's got to go after you know who's leading there we know it's you know aries because from last issue we saw that it was aries no no secret there aries leading um hydra and he's making all these weapons but somehow uh frank is kind of derailed from going to like the main charge on this uh battle the, the 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 thing I you take away from this was the the very end because it's like uh, he's got his wife now but his wife uh has issues because you know she's back from the dead but you know her memories you know there's issues going with the memory and everything else but the end panel was the best you're like oh is he gonna what's he gotta do for the next step that he wants you know yeah i do like the concept of yeah i do like the concept of him being the hand because i mean well yeah who else knows how to kill but like i said you get a look at his first kill and it's kind of surprising you know what he did, what he did for his first kill is like okay he's always been the Punisher.
1: Yeah, that was surprising to me as well. Um, and it's also surprising to me how fast paced this story is. Like there's big time jumps uh at various parts and flashbacks. So yeah, oh yeah. It, it this definitely from Jason Aaron. This feels like a story that has a beginning, middle, and end. And uh, this isn't something he's you know just planning out indefinitely because it feels like he would be taking his time a little bit more. Um, But if you're a Punisher fan, I bet you're you're digging it. Uh, Okay, up next for me is Rogue Son number four. This is from writer Ryan Parrott. Abel is the artist, Chris O'Halloran on colors, Becca Carey on letters. Um, I don't know what else to say about this book that I haven't said before. It it balances uh, family feel, family politics with superhero action really, really well. This is another story that feels very intimate and personal and, and relatable. Uh, it's in the massive reverse, uh, the kind of the image corner uh, of their superhero universe, uh, along with radiant black and radiant red. So uh, really enjoying what's going on here. Everything has been super tight in terms of the plot so far from Ryan Parrott. Um, and so, we haven't gotten a whole lot of, uh, context for the scope of how big the story might get. Um, Dylan, the the main character who inherited the, the artifact that allows him to be rogue son from his father, the previous rogue son, um, you know, he, he's acting like a superhero and, and doing these heroic acts just to basically solve his father's murder so his father will stop haunting him basically and he can stop being rogue son he doesn't want anything to do with his estranged father's family or the powers of rogue son or or any of that at least not at this point so what's the end game here um you know what's the journey because dylan is not who you normally would think of as a you know a heroic character that would be the protagonist of the story He's a bully. He's, you know, he's had his own trauma that he's gone through and he, he kind of manifests that by taking it out on other people and looks for the easy way out and what have you. Like, he doesn't have the traditional traits of a superhero. So it's nice to see that trope sort of flipped on its head from from Ryan Parrott. And the art by Abel and the colors by Chris O'Halloran are, are fantastic. Like, Rogue Sun's costume design is amazing. So I'm a big fan of the series. Big fan of Ryan Parrott. Like, if you haven't read stuff uh, any of the stuff that he's done, man, you're missing out. Uh, okay, up next for Jay is Moon Knight. We're up to issue number 11 already. Uh, it's from writer Jed McKay. Art is by Alessandro Capuccio, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by Corey Petit. What do you think of this one, Jay?
2: I liked it. Like from last okay. issue, we know that it was. He thought he was talking to his doctor. We know that was that uh, was a, what was the what's he called uh, the Waxman. So in this issue, we got uh, Moon Knight along with Tigra and the recently escaped uh, Winter to help out to uh, kind of put things right. He's trying to save uh, rescue his Doctor Sturman. That's the whole issue, the whole concept of this issue. It's fun. Um, we find out how crazy and manipulative Zodiac really is in this issue. But in order to fix things, he's got to pay a price to like set things right and it's it's kind of fast paced but it's so good i like this issue a lot because um the way he talks to uh uh moon knight that you know, he's not uh the true moon knight yet and he's just trying to push him to his limit to be you know the real moon knight which is kind of interesting you're like what but i guess we'll see what happens but uh it's good and um, i guess the next one should be a big uh, giant uh battle i guess <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it definitely, like like we had Jed McKay on the show not too long ago, and we talked a lot about Moon Knight because, you know, he's having a moment now. And he talked about how he's supposed to be downplaying the, the different phases of Mark Spector, multiple personalities, disassociative identity disorder, whatever you want to call it. But it's interesting because that aspect did play a little bit of a role in the, in the recent TV show. To my understanding, I haven't watched it. But... um it it does feel like this series uh, is trying to capture the tone of the TV show, at least from my understanding, and I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. So, uh, okay, up next for me is Spectro. Uh, this is from AfterShock. Everything in here, writer, artist, colors, letters—it's all by Wando, um, and it's a fifty-four-page issue, and he does a fantastic job giving us four stories they're all science fiction stories and they're all sort of out there um like a ice cream man story or a twilight zone or um what's it called uh is it night gallery or tales from the dark side like any of those kind of anthology shows where you have these really cool stories where there's an interesting twist right at the end um he does a fantastic job These are really fun stories that that make you think or make you cringe uh, the art is fantastic I've always been a fan of his line work he does a great job coloring his own stuff here yeah big fan and again four different stories and they all have that commonality of um of having that that science fiction theme and they yeah they work really really well i'm really impressed with these uh these stories so definitely pick that up uh and that's the only aftershock book we have to talk about, unfortunately, even though I think there were a couple of other books that came out this week we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I didn't get preview copies actually, I, I take that back. I did get a preview copy of "Land of the Living Gods," which I've been enjoying that story. I just ran out of time. I didn't get a chance to read it. Um, but then uh, yeah, there's a couple other books that came out that I didn't get preview copies for, so uh, I'll mention those when I give a rundown of everything uh, uh, in a couple minutes. But Jay's last book is Radiant Red, number three. This is from writer Cherish Chen, art is by David LaFuente. colors are by Miguel Muerto, letters by Diego Sanchez. Uh, what would you think?
2: It's a good series. Uh, when I first when we first met Radiant Red, you know, in uh, Radiant Black, uh, I thought she, you know, I thought the character was a, was an ass, <laughs> you know, it was like a villain. But no, it was more. I like this because we get to go behind her her armor that she found and see who she really is and I like that but and this book is so neat because they make her so tiny (laughs) I mean compared to like when she stands next to every other character in the book she's just so little but when she gets the armor on she kind of gets a little bit taller Um, she has a lot going on in this issue Uh, family uh, uh, I guess marriage Um, she's got to work with a new crew because she's kind of forced into it to uh, do this uh, heist so she meets everybody in the crew, and they're uh, going through it and training and stuff. But there's some chemistry going on there too, which is kind of like, okay, I think she's got too much going on. So she asks for help from uh, another uh, hero that kind of shows up, which is kind of funny because we get a guest appearance there. I won't say who helps her out and who she talks to, but it's it's fun. Um, I like the series, like I said, it's really fun. I want to see what's going to happen next to the character, um, but also to put a point is there was a reporter that's kind of like zoning in on who radiant red is. So that's how it kind of leads with the cliffhangers. You're like, "Uh Oh, do they actually know or they don't know?
1: Yeah. There's only two issues left too. Um, But it's interesting because you see, start to see some parallels between radiant red and radiant black in terms of, you know, learning how to use their powers, trying to figure out where their powers come from is, is the, the, the giant robot going to show up in radiant red as well, like it did in radiant black. So just little reminders that they're, they're closely tied together. Uh, okay. My last book I'm going to talk about in detail is Stillwater. This is issue number 13. I think we're getting close to the end here. It's from writer co-creator Chip Zdarsky and artist co-creator Ramon K Perez. Mike Spicer does the colors, Russ Wooten on letters. Um, yeah, action is ratcheting up. The tension is ratcheting up. You can feel something big is about to happen. Um, and it was like a holy crap moment a couple of issues ago when uh, something happened that fundamentally changes your belief uh, in how the rules work, <laughs> if they are rules. You know, people, uh, if you're not familiar with Stillwater, people in the town of Stillwater can't be killed if you're shot or killed or injured inside city limits, um, you just start healing. You can even regrow back limbs and yeah, it's crazy. But if you go outside the town limits, that you know that's not the case um, or so we thought. But uh, yeah, there's big plans, big doings, a fantastic cliffhanger in this one. And uh, I have no idea how this thing's going to end. Absolutely none, which I, I love that. I love that it's a, a really interesting idea um, that's completely unpredictable with, with what Zdarsky and, um, and Perez are doing. I have no idea which way it's going to go. Uh, you know, it's not the most original idea in terms of, you know, the fountain of youth or a town where people, you know, live forever. If there was a twilight zone episode that did something similar, but, um, not the way that Zadarski and Perez are doing it in terms of the, the politics involved so it's another book i really really uh, enjoy and highly recommend so uh, all right let me give a rundown on some of the other books that are out there um from aftershock like i mentioned Lands of the living gods number four is out naughty list number two is listed on my list but i certainly didn't get a a preview copy because i would have devoured it because jay and i both picked that for book of the week Naughty List number yeah. one when it came out. Uh, it's so fun, uh, and then we also have the Search for Who trade paperback and the Seven Swords trade paperback. And I don't even remember ever getting the final issue of Seven Swords, so I'm not not sure about that. Um, I'm gonna have to go back and look. Like, did I somehow miss that? Because uh, I really enjoyed that series. Uh, all right, from Boom, we have. Uh, Magic the Gathering the Hidden Planeswalker number two of four is out today and we also have Something That's Killing the Children number 23 which I know a lot of people really really enjoy Uh, don't forget you can check out all our DC books our thoughts on DC on uh, the DC spotlight that came out yesterday these are the books we talked about Action Comics number 1043 we have Aquaman number four Batman Beyond the White Knight, number three of eight from Sean Gordon Murphy. Batman Fortress, number one of eight, which was really fun. Highly recommend that. Uh, DC versus Vampires Hunters, number one, which is a one-shot. Deathstroke Incorporated, number nine, which continues the Shadow War. Uh, Detective Comics, number 1060. Harley Quinn, number 15. Robin, number 14, which is another part of the Shadow War. Uh, Swamp Thing is up to issue number 13 of 16. Task Force Z is another fantastic uh, Matthew Rosenberg written series that had its eighth issue drop. Teen Titans Academy came to a close with issue number 15. And in a way, I was glad that it was put out of its misery because that, that series kind of struggled, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, over at Dark Horse, we, uh, I do want to mention that Pearl, number three, the third volume of that. Michael Gatos. I think it's Michael Gatos. um, And um, Brian Michael Bendis. I know a lot of people have been big fans of that series uh, about a a female tattoo artist that's involved with the uh, Yakuza. So that third volume is out. uh, New series from Dark Horse. Brian Michael Bendis. uh, Over at Image, in addition to the books that we talked about, a few other things that came out today that I want to mention. Uh, We have Adventure Man, number nine, from Matt Fraction and the Dodson's. We also had uh, Gunslinger Spawn, number eight. There is a uh, 8 Billion Genies, number one of eight Glitter Cat variant that didn't make it out last week, um, that's coming out as well. Philadelphia number 22, and the first volume of King Spawn uh, has been collected. So, uh, oh, and I have to mention Saga. I know there are people that still read that, <laughs> of course. Um, so that has its 59th, in, uh, 59th issue out this week as well. Uh, over at Marvel, in addition to the books that we talked about, we have Demon. Uh, where is it? Um, the demon days treasury edition trade paperback uh from peach Momocha is out uh we also have uh the uh volume three of black widow which is uh, i can't believe that series got cancelled uh that's so good um so i definitely recommend picking that up uh legion of x which is an x-men series starring legion as its debut issue uh, also have the third issue of Savage Spider-Man, number three of five, and Spider-Man 2099 Exodus, number one, um, which continues the story of the return of uh, Spider-Man 2099, which I have never been a big fan of, but I know there are people that really, really dig it. So I'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, see, anything else I want to mention? I think that's it. Anything that you want to call
2: out, Jay? Uh, yeah. Source point press has a good boy. Number one. So this is the second, uh, volume of that series where it's the dog being John wick. So it's like a reverse role. It was fun. So they're starting the second series with that. they got a ton of writers on uh, a bunch of varying covers to choose from, but a, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, Another one is by uh, Tim Seeley. He's writing, uh, for, uh, Disturbed. It's Opus comics is Disturbed Dark Messiah, number one coming out. And I like that because I just like the writer uh, the Artist is Angela Hernandez and colorist is Frank Gambo. So I don't know what to expect, but uh, I'm going to get it cause I'm a Disturbed fan and I'm a Tim Seeley fan. Yeah. Uh,
1: there's a couple of variant covers for that disturbed Dark Messiah by Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo. I can only imagine how much the creators had to pay to get them to do. Uh, they're both wraparound covers. One of them is like a one of 50. And I think the other one is like a one out of 100. Oh, my, yeah. my, my comic shop was selling the one out of 100 for $170. dollars
2: Oh, I'm, like, I, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, and I
1: think the one in 50... Was like sixty dollars or seventy dollars. They're really cool looking covers, but man, I'm I can't spend one hundred seventy dollars on a, a brand new, like untested comic, you know. But hey, man, kudos to the people that can can you know shell that out and uh, make their money back. So, anyway, that's gonna do it for this episode. We appreciate everybody joining. As always, apologies for the crappy sound. Uh, super echoey hotel room not much i can do about it but be back in the home studio next week can't wait so uh once again we appreciate everybody listening and we will talk to you next time
0: have a good one you can find the comic source podcast on spotify apple podcast stitcher google play or whichever podcasting app you prefer please tell all your friends about us subscribe and rate us